Today's going to be a very special podcast on Alex Garrett Podcasting, as I welcome back someone who you've met before like two times already, Mr. David Marion. He's a recovery coach. He has a story of addiction recovery himself. And David, I understand, you know, you called me a couple days ago with someone else you'd like to shine a spotlight on. So tell us about your uh, guest and and mutual connection now, Tammy Hass. And, And thank you both for joining me today. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. So, um, interesting story. Obviously, been in recovery for a while, and I travel the country, and I hear wonderful, incredible stories and overcoming adversity. And um, met a woman a couple of months ago, and her story is one which I might have heard before, but to hear this in such a thoughtful, understanding way, to she the empathetic and sympathetic ways that she has overcome adversity and become the strong woman she is today. It's simply um, miraculous is what it is, Alex. And it's a very, um, very, very sad beginning turning into a very bright, you know, future now. But Tammy, your sad beginning does start in Germany. And Unfortunately, you had uh, your dad who raped you and your sister for 11 years, but now here you are willing to talk about it. So my, my first question would be is, how long did you keep silent about the abuse, the rapes that were going on, and, and how did you find your voice? Um, well, I, it was, I was 14 when I decided I, I just had a had enough and I needed to get away. So um, my sister and I, we both, left the home together and in the middle of the night, we just, we just, we, I mean, we planned it for a while and we ran away in the middle of the night and we went to a friend of ours home, a mutual friend. And the next morning we both together went to the police department and told them the whole story. We did like a a video um, statement. Then they arrested my dad and my, my mom got to us and wanted us to recant the statement. And my sister did, but I, I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I've had enough. I'm, I'm just done. So I, I stood my ground. I stayed with my statement. Um, we went to court. And it was basically me against my entire family because now they had all turned on me because I was tearing the family apart. And, but I stood my ground. I said, I'm, I'm not I'm not going back into that house and subjecting myself to more of the abuse. So I became, I was too young to be on my own. So I became a ward of the state, which is basically a foster child. Um, My attorney at the time became my foster parent. So in a sense that I was lucky, otherwise I would have been put into a foster home and basically just um, another, I don't even know what it was saying. Another statistic of a foster child. Um, So I stayed with my foster parents until I was 18. And then I was on my own. And I graduated high school, went to college, had my first child in college. And, but I was determined the whole time. I mean, it was hard from day one. It was hard, but I was determined to make something of my life. I mean, it was awful from the beginning. We were poor and I just wanted to make a better life for myself. 
I want to ask you about the if how common it is that uh, a father would do this to their daughter because obviously it's not a story you hear every day. But at the same time, I imagine that it is going on. We just don't really hear about it as much as maybe we should be reporting on these kind of uh, you know rapes and abuses and 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 all of that. Unfortunately, it happens way more than we hear about. I mean, probably at least three out of 10 girls are raped by someone that they know, not necessarily a father, but a brother, an uncle, someone that they know that they are related to. There's there's this movement going on, by the way, that uh, children should be able to give consent for hugs. As ridiculous as that may sound on the surface, someone like you might say, you know what, maybe that is the route we have to go down. So we can prevent um, these things from happening, the these sexual assaults, these rapes from happening. Yeah, is that, I guess you asked it in the form of a question, right? Is What is her thought on this? Yeah, exactly. Like, what, do you think... for a hug? I will honestly, I've never even heard of that. I think it's a little, I mean, I don't know. I think that's kind of ridiculous. I do I mean, too, but I'm, to I just want to, I want to get your thought on that. If that, if that, if your story could be an example of why that might be talked about more so than, than before. Um, recovery, obviously you're with David, he's recovery coach. So where did you go into the addiction problems? Like where did that start and how were you able to come out of that? Uh, well, honestly, I, I have never been addicted to drugs or alcohol. Um, I, in my family, I was around drugs a lot. And so I, I, I mean, I have never taken drugs. I have never, I mean, I do drink socially, but I think my recovery is more of just overcoming everything that my family put me through as a child. As you've gotten, as you've grown up and you've gotten through all of this and overcome, have any of your family members ever apologized for turning against you? Um, no. We, it's, it's pretty much a taboo subject in my family. We do not talk about it. Um, it's very well known. It's public knowledge through my entire family. Um, but we, we don't talk about it. We don't discuss it. They've never apologized to me. My dad has never apologized to me. He basically has made excuses for it. Um, but I, I, I didn't want to hear excuses. I mean, I forgive him because it's a huge burden to carry around. I forgive him. I forgive my mom, but, um, I, I never wanted, I mean, yes, I wanted him to say he was sorry for what he did, but he didn't. All he basically gave me was excuses, which I did not want to hear. So it sounds like, are you still in touch with them? If so, what took the strength to get back in touch with your family after being banished uh, we do we are in touch with each other um i speak to them on a regular basis i do go see them they live in another state um and we have a i mean it's a semi-normal relationship um when we were growing up my parents never they didn't ever hug us there was no love in our family so now when I leave and when I see them and I leave them, they will hug me and they tell me that they love me. But honestly, it just, um, it, it feels like too little too late. I mean, I appreciate it to a degree and I do tell them that I love them, which I sincerely mean. They're my only family that I have ever known. But um, it took um, several, several years before we 
even spoke to each other after um, my dad was arrested. And um, we went to court, and I was taken away from them. I was taken away when I was 14, and I was probably 22 before I spoke to them again. Okay, so in those eight years, how did you work on yourself? Um, well, honestly, that was that time was very, it was a struggle. I was in college. I was in another state. I didn't know anybody. Um, I just completely absorbed myself in school. I, that's all I focused on, raising a child um, and school. And then I came back to, Fort Mar- to Florida and um, got a job. I mean, I, you know, I lived wherever I could live and just with, with people and um, just, I mean, I just worked as hard as I could to try to make a life for myself and my daughter. And how is she doing today? She is amazing. She is a teacher. She graduated college. She's married. She has two boys. Um, she's amazing. She's a wonderful, wonderful person. What were your relationships like? Because David sent me this whole background on you, and I, I want to hear from you. You had five different, five kids with different men, but how were your relationships with men following all of that trauma from age three to 14? Well, looking back now on them, they were toxic relationships, every one of them. But at the time that I was in them, that's all I knew was abuse. So if a man was abusive to me or hit me or, verb, you know, whatever, it didn't, I mean, yes, I didn't like it, but it just seemed so normal to me. Um, now, because I went through all of that and I've recovered and, I, you know, I look back on it and I see how just detrimental it was to me and as to anybody to live in a relationship like that. Um, but it happens so much. I mean, there's so many, and I don't know why, but there's so many men that are like that to women. Mm. And I would ask, did you ever, did you have PTSD with them? Do you have PTSD when you do hug your dad? Is there that still in your mindset as well? Um, I, I, I honestly feel like I have completely recovered from it. I 100% forgive my dad. I, and I, I know people don't understand that and they think it's absurd, but to carry around hate or anger or bitterness, it's a huge burden to carry around and God created us to forgive. And that's what I do. I forgive him. I don't understand it, but I forgive him. David. Well, something I would go ahead. I I was going to say, obviously you weren't there during these years, but now that you know more of her story, like uh, recovery does happen in this way as well. So what progress have you seen her make since meeting her meeting Tammy? Like what progress has she made even, you know, being alongside you and, and seeing you in action as a recovery coach? I think the, our interaction together has created more of a mindfulness of her. Um, to be able to really broach topics like this and dig in. I will say something, though, that we had talked about. When she brought her three sons to her dad's home, and I asked her, she had went out to a Target or a Walmart and left them in the house. And I said, did that thought ever occur to you that you're leaving your kids? And she said, yes, I had that fleeting thought for a moment. 
the same thought that I had when my mom left the house years ago. So I think that, you know, do we ever for- completely forget about this? Absolutely not. Forgiveness, that's a different story. Do we ever completely 100% forgive? Um, no. Listen, we try to do the best we can. But in her situation, there's always that impact on future relationships and things like that that um, is going to really resonate with her. The work that she's doing today is unbelievable, willing to talk about this stuff, willing to help others, volunteer work. It's, you know, she, well, I'll tell you, she can tell you where she volunteers. For the- I work with the um, state foster kids. Um, I'm basically a voice for them in, in court. Um, kids that have been, you know, abused or raped or, you know, their parents, um, prostitute them out or on drugs or uh, th- there's so many different scenarios but um i basically am a voice for them in court because when i was in court i didn't have anybody to be that voice for me there was it was just me against my family and so i know what they feel like and i stand up for them in court and basically am a voice for them which advocate advocacy is so powerful absolutely you know, to have an advocate you know, I'm a recovery advocate as well, as well, and I've lived in re- recovery on both sides of it. She is in a recovery for foster kids because she has been on both sides of it. Um, and I think that's really the, where the power comes in. When you're working with someone and you understand the dynamics of what they have gone through, it really helps them build the trust with another person to want to change. I, this is so powerful. Tammy, I, I've got tons of follow-up, but I want to ask you about the foster care because you're working to advocate for foster kids. Those four years you were there, was that a trying time as well? Um, it, it was. I mean, it wasn't hard. I had, I had good foster parents. They were loving. They were kind. Th- their daughter... Um, did not like me being in the home. She, we were both the same age and we were teenagers and to just, I mean, overnight bring another teenager into your house. Um, it's hard. And I, I don't, I don't, you know, fault her for any, for feeling the way she did. Um, but it, it, it was a little hard on me. She didn't like me being there. She made it a little hard on me. That's why I, when I turned 18, I did leave. But, um, I mean, I forget. I kind of lost my train of thought, but okay. um, it wasn't it wasn't super hard. I mean, I was very fortunate to have good foster parents. Well, your story is also of breaking away from the toxicity, from the sexual abuse environment. So uh, was it still hard to grow the courage and to, to actually say, I'm leaving to start on my own? Was that tough a decision to make or were you ready? Like, did you do it when you knew you were ready? Oh, it was hard. It was very hard. Um, I didn't know, you know, I, I just went to live with an, in my aunt. She lived in, in the, pretty much the same town as I did. Um, so I went to live with her. And um, but then I was in a terrible accident and I had to leave her home because I had to have a live-in nurse. So I came to live with my grandmother then, who was probably my closest family member that I had through, through all of it. She was my she was my rock. She, I mean, if anything I needed, I always went to my grandma and my grandpa. So when I needed a live-in nurse, um, she said she would do it, and I went to live with her. What was the accident? Um, I was, I used to do, I used to, like, do marathon biking, 
and I was hit by a truck when I was riding, and it drug me down the street. Basically, almost killed me. But um, I recovered, and I was in high school at the time, and my um, the principal happened to be a good friend of mine, and she told me that if I would pass, if I could pass all of my final exams, then she would pass me to my senior year of high school, which I did. And so tell me, uh, well, then what was high school like? I mean, obviously, if all this stuff, well, I just want to know your journey because it's just it's, it's great that you were able to break out of this and do the high school, do college. So socializing with everything you've been through, was that difficult being socializing or were you were, were you always friendly no matter what? Uh, no, I, I was very withdrawn in high school. I didn't have many friends. Um, I, you know, I didn't discuss this with anybody. I did not talk about it with anybody. I, I was very um, academic wise. I, I worked hard to have, you know, maintain good grades, but I was not very social in high school. I didn't go to parties. I didn't, I had friends, but very few um, completely opposite of how I am today. But um, and, and, and not that I thought people knew, but you just don't know. I mean, you you grow up in that lifestyle and you know it's wrong, but um, breaking away from it is extremely hard. But you don't want people to know. It's um, And it's not something that I was doing, but it's a shameful thing to tell people, embarrassing, and people aren't going to understand or, or, you know, whatever. I mean, a million things go through your mind as a child. But um, I... I didn't have many friends in school. Tammy, I know you were born in Germany, and uh, that's a very. Uh, how did you get to? How? When did you come over here? And and what was life in Germany like uh, as a kid? And also, did you ha- do you did you and do you have family there still? Um, I I was I left there when I was three. I don't know anybody there. Um, I don't know my my family. I don't know, I don't know my dad. I don't know I don't know them. Um, so. I, I was adopted from there and brought to the state when I was three. Um, we went to, we lived in Ohio. Then when I was six, we moved to Florida with my adopted parents. Wow, that's uh, quite a journey for for a youngster. You said that God creates us all and has a purpose. And, and I could just tell faith has gotten you through all of this, hasn't it? Absolutely. And I wasn't, um, we didn't grow up um, knowing about God, learning about God. That was something that I basically just reached out on my own and did. Um, But I know we are created to forgive. God forgives us and that is instilled in us. And it's, it's so huge. I mean, that to just be able to forgive people, I mean, it, it relieves you like it, you know, it, it's a, it's too big of a burden to carry around to hate people and to, to be bitter and angry. Um, you just, I mean, you just have to forgive them. I hope I don't me asking this, but in New York, the last couple of weeks, we've actually seen uh, a son stab a dad over something. Or we've seen, you know, like a mom be shot by her son because of this GameStop stocks in general. Did you ever have those, did you ever feel like, ever feel like a violent feeling toward your father? Or were you making peace with yourself with it as you went on? Like, were there any violent thoughts at all that came in or no? Um, honestly, I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I mean, 
I, I think I've just been very blessed that God created me to be so strong. Um, I mean, I'm sure I wish ill on him at some point, you know, that he would just go away or, you know, whatever. But um, did I ever think about killing him? I, I don't really think I did. Um, I honestly just wanted to be away from him. You know, and I think also, <clears throat> excuse me, her sister was involved, too. And Tammy had mentioned there were nights that she hoped her sister got called into the dad's room, right? Mm-hmm. Talk about that. I did. I mean, and that's sad. It, it, um, but it was, it was, you know, it was either me or her. So, I, you know, I did. I would wish that it would be her. You know, please, God, just let it be her. I mean, and that's awful that I wish that upon her, but I didn't want it to be me. <laughs> That's a very natural fear, like, and it sounds like Russian roulette a little bit. Like, who is he going to pick today? Which is horrible way to live, and and I can't imagine the emotional torture that was in addition to the physical. Um, I don't. I mean, it was so. Oh my gosh, it was. Um, I feel bad for my sister because I remember. Um. One time in particular really stands out in my mind that it, it was her and not me. And I was outside, and there was there were friends from our neighborhood over in our yard or something. And I could hear her screaming, and it broke my heart because I know what she's going through. But at the same time, I was so so unbelievably happy that it wasn't me. Now, how are you with your sister? Are you close at all, or not not particularly? Um, I am not. Um, I, I, I actually, I have two sisters and my one sister, my younger sister, I'm extremely cold, very, very close with my older sister who, um, went through all of this with me. I'm, I'm not close with her at all. Um, she did some things to me that are, are completely unrelated, but, um, we don't have a close relationship. And I mean, I would say to sadden you, but it seems like you are at peace with however, connected you are um david it's kind of interesting we're having this conversation because when someone hears recovery they do think about addiction and they do they do think about like you know alcohol and drugs but maybe sexual i guess well not i guess but i'm sure sexual assault is also a recovery uh project isn't it absolutely you know there's um people often say well i'm not addicted to anything so how can i be in recovery and I say we all have some type of pains, trauma, maybe abuse, PTSD, that we try to recover from. And it's overcoming that process of cleansing and really becoming at a place we've never been before, digging deep down in the roots of this stuff, pulling it out, and really cleansing it Do we get into and stay into a recovery from our past. And Tammy is talking about this with such a brighter, I, I could tell she's she's actually feeling brighter about her situation right now, uh, which is good because I, I can't imagine the thoughts that come up when you do have to explain this. But maybe because you do a lot of speaking and podcasting and, and everything like that, it's sort of just cathartic to talk about this and get it out of your system. Would you say that's true? Um, absolutely. Uh, I used to not be able to talk to it, uh, talk about it. Um, it was very, very hard. I would get emotional and just, just break down. Um, I had reoccurring nightmares and I mean, it was, it was hard. And I mean, I, I'm 50 now 
And I can honestly say I am completely 100% good about talking, talking about it or talking with somebody about it. Um, you know, talking with other girls about it and helping them through similar situations. Um, and, and that's kind of my goal is to just reach out to people that are going through the same situation and just let them know that they're not alone. They're, I mean, there's hundreds, millions of girls that go through this. And most of them, a lot of them don't stand up or don't have support systems and aren't able to talk about it. So um, to be able to reach, it, even if just one person could hear this and, um, you know, no, I'm not alone. There, You know, there's somebody else that's going through this. Um, it's just, I'm, I am. I'm so 100% good about talking, talking about it and talking through it. Talking with Tammy Hass and David Marion, David at the recoverycoach.com, I believe. Is that the right website? TheLifeRecoveryCoach.com. There you go. TheLifeRecoveryCoach.com. Uh, Tammy, as you're talking about this, um, David, you know, came to me and said, you know, I've got this very successful woman. She's overcome all of this. So I want to ask you, when you're told you are successful, knowing everything you've been through, how does that make you feel? Um, I feel great. It, it does. I mean, it, it, it resonates with me. It makes me, I feel wonderful. I mean, that I, to know every, where I came from and everything that I went through and overcame it and I've made a good life for myself. I'm happy. Um, my kids are happy. They're healthy. I mean, I live for my kids. I, they are my world. They are my rock. Um, but um, I work hard to give them everything that they have and to um, just to make sure that they don't ever have to endure any kind of pain like this in their lives. So the question that I have is, knowing that you do this advocacy work, do your children know about your no, past history? No, they don't know. Have you ever thought about someday? Would you ever tell them that? Um, I, I don't. I don't know that I would want them to look at me like that. Um, and I don't know that my dad, their grandpa, they think he is just amazing. They have fun with him. You know, they do out woodsy, outdoor, you know, outdoor things. Um, and I don't want that stigma to be on him i mean i went through it and i you know i'm good with it but i don't want to them to i I don't know that i want them to i'm not saying later in life that i wouldn't but they're still young and i'm sure there's a lot of schools of thoughts on that you know on how people would talk about it and Mm. um, do they need to talk about it with their kids right alex absolutely and it's interesting to bring this up because it's like yeah he is a grandfather now and that's that's a different role and i think as you say you don't want to see him in that don't want them to see that in their light because a you don't want to cut off that connection with him which is also a good thing for the kids as well i will say this um my daughters do know to a degree um because i wanted i didn't want them to go through the same thing that i went through so i did to some degree let them know um Talk about the age difference with your kids. <laughs> My oldest daughter is 30. I had her um, right out of high school into college. Um, and my youngest son, um, who is my guardian angel, he is seven. Why is he a guardian angel? What happened to you guys last year? <laughs> um, we were hit by a drunk driver last year, um, and it, it almost killed my son, my, my baby. And we don't know. I don't know what hit him. It crushed his 
skull in. Um, but whatever hit him flew right past me. And I'm not happy that it hit him, but had it hit me, it probably would have killed me. Wow, this is quite a um, a journey that you're on. How is he doing today? Like, is his um, speaking impaired? What is his what What was the aftermath of that? He um well he oh my gosh um he had his his skull kind of almost in a sense exploded inside of his head, and he had bones stuck in the back of his eye. They they removed all of the bones, and he he has no um, residual effects from from the bone that was stuck in his eye. He has he didn't lose any sight. Um, he does have a huge scar across his face from, um, again, like I said, we don't know what hit him, but it crushed his skull in, and they they put plates in his head, and he does have a spot on his brain and his frontal lobe that is dead. Um, He has a little bit of difficulty in school that we are working through. We have therapists and stuff that are working with him. Um, He doesn't recall words. He will learn them one day, but he, he doesn't retain it. He loses it. So, um, but he's, he's doing good. I mean, he's vibrant and he's happy and he's very active seven year old boy. Um, but he, and he knows that he struggles and he knows that, um, a drunk driver hit us. Um, and he knows that he's Superman. He calls himself Superman because he did, you know, live through it. Um, but he's good, you know, and for, for all in all, everything that he's gone through, he, he's good. He is really good. Thanks be to God there. In college, you have your daughter, and did that throw everything off course? Pun intended a bit because of the course load you get in college. <laughs> so, but seriously, it did was, that throw I mean, it off? Or? It was hard. I mean, it was extremely difficult to have a child and go to school and to be by yourself. But um, I, I, I did it, and I did it with her, and, and we... We came through it, and, and we're good. Mental fortitude is is very strong with you. You have a very strong mentality about all this, but some may not. So I like to bring on people who might have a message for those not feeling as mentally strong as having that fortitude as those who are willing to talk about it. What's your message to them today? Oh, gosh. Um, I think that the, the biggest part is to have, you know, somebody in your corner, somebody that you can talk to, somebody that you can confide in. Um, there's hope out there for everybody, and they just have to find that niche. And um, I mean, if I could help some of them, I, I would love it. I, I mean, whatever I can do, uh, you know, just to help them find a path that is good for them, um, be it school or, you know, w- whatever it is, a, a career. Um, they just have to find that, that, you know, something that, in, you know, in life that will make them happy. And, uh, and I agree with that. Um, so aside, along with the kids, what else makes you happy then? Like what, when we're talking to you today, what makes you happy right now as we're talking? And, and I could tell in certain parts of the conversation, there's a smile on your face as you talk about <laughs> the aftermath of all this. So what makes you happy at the end of the day? Um, Guys, I don't even know. I, I'm I am just a happy person. Um, I I do. I smile all the time. I have good friends. I have an amazing life right now. Good family. Um, 
my work is great. Uh, everything, you know, everything in my life combined together just makes me an extremely happy person. And to know that I have overcome all of this and I'm strong, I'm stronger every day. I'm stronger. And, um, it's just good. Everything's good. You know, I would say the one thing that I've seen, she has a tremendous amount of gratitude. And I think that truly exudes in all areas of her life. Mm. Watching her as a mom, watching her in her profession, watching her in the community, watching her with her volunteer opportunities. She always goes in with that same attitude and the same happiness towards people. And I often say when we begin to make our lives about other people, the better we get to feel. Many people, when they go through something like this, Alex, they have, they internalize this and they often say, what is wrong with me? Why did this happen to me? Is there something wrong? And they live in that shame-based persona for so long. We often say there's a difference between guilt and shame, right? Guilt is I made a mistake, but I could change. Shame is I am a mistake. I'm hopeless. Mm. Many of us live in that hopeless persona and we don't know how to move through it. And I think once we overcome that and realize that I am not a mistake, right? We might have been a victim in a situation, but believe me, how do we overcome this? It's by talking about it. Right. Shame, we feed into shame through isolation and loneliness and not talking about this stuff. It really adds fire to it. And I think by able to, you know, her, Tammy being able to express this stuff and um, it's simply short of miraculous that she has a relationship with her dad. Today. I would say that Somewhat, is not a close one, but it's a relationship that's still in contact. That is pretty remarkable. And it shows the character of Tammy also, right? I would say that's what it shows. Yeah, obviously, you know, someone to have the ability to overcome so much and, um, and to forgive. Mm. You know, we don't have the ability to forgive. God gives us that ability, that ability to forgive. Tammy, um, you know, I have to ask this because in COVID, we've seen a lot of domestic issues rise and everything like that. And as you're following all these stories, do you then want to reach out and say, you know what, you you can get, you, you don't have to live in that. Do, do you ever feel the need when you hear these stories through COVID to reach out to people and say, yeah, you can get through this, you can leave that situation? I I would love to reach so many people, absolutely. Um, and I, I know, I mean, I, I've been in abusive situations, not just with my dad, and I, and I know what it feels like, and I, but I also know what it feels like to break that cycle and to get away from them and to feel the freedom and the independence and just knowing that you were strong enough because some people don't, they, you know, they commit suicide or, you know, something happens to them, their, their partner murders them. Um, and to be able to be strong enough to walk away from that and rebuild and regrow. It's just, it's amazing. It feels so good. Was there ever threats of retaliation on you for telling these stories or were, or, or were you old enough to where, yeah, I can make my own decision and talk about this? Um, well, when I was younger, I, I didn't talk about it. My, my, my mom did, um, you know, try to make throw guilt on me that you're tearing the family apart. And, but I did not tear the family apart. My dad tore the family sure. apart. My mom tore the family apart by allowing it to happen. Um, I was a child. I didn't know any better. I just knew that it was wrong and that I didn't want him to touch me anymore. I wanted to get away from it. 
and as David said, that is miraculous that now you 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 do see him, and that is um, that's such a strong thing. And you know, in 2021, we're still looking for the good news out there that there can be some good news, and I think your story of overcoming is a great news story that should be highlighted more. Actually, thank you. And I, like I said, if I if there was somebody that I could mentor or touch um, and and tell the story to, and just give them the hope that. There is somebody out there that can help them. I, I would, in a, in a minute, I would do that. Well, then let me ask. Do you have a website? Do you have Twitter? Do you have Facebook? If they have any questions for you? I, I don't have a website. I do have Facebook. Um, I don't have Twitter. I'm not big on social media, but um, absolutely, if there was somebody that wanted to reach out to me and, and for any kind of guidance or um, some resources, I would absolutely help let, you know, I would help them. I have emails. Um you know, I do um, I do a lot of work with our state, the state here. So um, I do have um, some resources, but um, as far as touching, reaching me, it's just um, either Facebook or email. What's your email? Uh, my email is doc, and my last name, H-A-A-S, so docos3 at gmail.com. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that email because I also know you went to nursing school. And so... Um, doing that, what, what kind of role did that play? Cause you know, being a nurse is very nurturing. It's very caring. It is a soft touch. And so going through that, uh, was that cathartic too? Um, it was, it was hard. I will say that, but it was <laughs> exhilarating at the same time. I was so proud of myself for completing it. Um, we started with, um, over 30 kids in, in just in my class and only nine of us graduated. So, to be able to say you accomplished that, I mean, it's and I know there's, God bless all the nurses out there, they're wonderful, and there's hundreds of them, but they all know how hard it is to get through nursing school. At, at the same time, raising kids and being a single mom, I mean, it was very hard, but um, I was determined once again, and I did it, and um, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that I did, and I'm happy that I was successful in it. Um, it was good. Tammy, a lot of people probably are very ashamed to talk about this, and then there's a sensitivity to it. So your words today are telling people you can share your story. You can speak out. Don't be afraid. Absolutely. Um, and and in, in the beginning, it will be hard to talk about it, of course. But um, it gets easier. It gets um, – and it feels good to get it out there and to, to be able to talk about it and to know – there's nothing wrong with them. It's not their fault that this, this, you know, these things are happening to them. There, it's not anything that they did, you know, the way they dress or the way they act. It's, you know, that's, that's your private stuff that nobody should be touching. And, um, yeah, it's just, um, it's, it's hard, but talking about it does help. Well, how do you encourage people to ask you about your story? Because I'm sure if someone sees you, oh, this is interesting, but I'm afraid to ask more questions. How can people, how do you inspire people to engage with you about this? Um, I mean, just reach out to me. I, you know, I am here. I am willing to talk to them, sit down with them, have coffee, um, whatever, whatever they need. Um, call me on the phone, you know, um, Whatever it took, I, you know, if I could help somebody, it just, you know, one person at a time, if I could get out there and help them um, to let them know just they're not alone. 
David, I, and maybe, and Tammy, you can answer this too, but David, as a life recovery coach, how, in, how important is the way we talk about these things in, in different ways? Like we talk about alcoholism differently than we talk about drug use and then this. So how is it, how is the way we talk about this so important? Like the way we, we do talk, I, I don't know how to word anything else, but the way we talk about it, how, how effective should we be at it and can we be at it uh, specifically with sexual assault? Well, you know, that's a really good question. How do we talk about it? Um, <clears throat> it's a very, very tough conversation. You know, people don't want to talk about the sexual assault. They don't want to talk about uh, the pain they endured, like something like that. Um, but once they start meeting other people that have gone through it, which is the similarity of recovery, that in recovery for drugs and alcohol, we recover together, Right. This might be more of an individual recovery for some people, but they have to get on their own course of action and their own path. And I think that's maybe a little bit different, but eventually the connectiveness with others is truly what's going to catapult them into a new freedom and a new happiness. Tammy, did you ever feel like people were talking to you about this the wrong way, like in a maybe shaming way or in a... Um aloof kind of way like did you ever feel like you were talked to about this in in wrong ways um no I, I don't feel like anybody ever like looked at me in the wrong way for this um i mean it's it, you know it, it is a taboo subject but people go through it it's very real to so many people so i don't feel like um I mean, I did. I kept it a secret for a very, very long time because I didn't know how people would look at me. But um, once I was in therapy and talking about it, um, I, I learned and I knew that it wasn't um, something that I couldn't talk about with people. And, you know, people wouldn't look at me like I was gross or disgusting. And that uh, and it's also the way you carry yourself. I don't think from what it seems like is you're not one to say, woe is me. Look at what happened. You're like, yeah, this did tragically happen, but here I am today. That's right. I overcame it. And I am probably a very, you know, way more powerful person than I, I would have been um, had I not gone through this. Um, and I could have, you know, I could have fell victim to it and um, used it as a crutch and became an, a, you know, alcoholic or a drug addict. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't. I, I, you know, I turned the corner and took a different path. And uh, and here you are. And and David, thanks again for introducing all of us here. This has been a really, I think, enlightening and deep conversation. So thank you for for connecting all of us today. You're certainly welcome. I think it's uh, wonderful. Anytime we get stories like this out there, and that people are willing to go public and talk about this, it uh, sheds light onto. Many that are still suffering. And as far as the advocacy sheds work, hope, oh, right? Sheds hope. Oh, it really does. Yeah. And as far as the advocacy goes, can people reach out to you about that as well, Tammy? Of course. Um, yes. Anything, any questions they have, I will be more than happy to answer them. Anything. It, it, there's no, there's no bad question. Uh, you know, any as private or as personal as they need to be. I'm, I'm good answering them. Anything. Everybody talks about their life's work. Do you think where you're at right now is your life's work, or is there way more to go uh, alongside the advocacy that you're doing now? 
Um, I think there's way more to go. I, there's um, there's so much that I want to do. Um, we, we go, I take my kids and we work at the homeless shelter and we feed the homeless. And um, if I could feed them all, everyone, all of the homeless people in the world, I would do it. Um, my heart is sad for them. You know, I don't know their story. I don't know their situation or why they're homeless. Um, but it, it, it's saddening. And I, you know, I'd like to help everybody. And, uh, and and I will direct them to find the best way to help uh, to get your help because it sounds like um, you you've got a stake in this and you have a stake in other people's lives too which is which is great David Marion and Tammy Hess thank you so much for joining us today and please come back as the journey continues to be updated thank you so much for having us out thank you very nice to meet you I'm Alex Garrett where we're always adapting and we'll talk to you soon